The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. I publish a book a year. So typically I'm writing one book in some stage of editing another and then promoting a third, you know, at various times. So it does kind of become a a bit of a a deadline driven game where if I know I have edits due on one novel, that's going to be my primary focus. And I'm going to kind of set everything aside and just really dive deep into whatever the one week, two week deadline I have to get those edits back to my publisher, you know, for the publication timeline Or for example, like this week when I'm uh, doing promotion, I'm not really writing too much. But then, you know, I'll shift focus and be able to delve back into the the book that I'm working on. So it's definitely something that you learn to be responsive to things and kind of prioritize and multitask, you know, in in terms of of getting the books finished and, and focusing on them when you need to. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. New York Times bestselling author Chanel Clayton spoke to me about her passion for exploring Cuban-American identity via women's perspectives throughout history, how she plots her popular historical fiction, and her latest novel, The Cuban Heiress. Chanel is the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of Reese Witherspoon's book club pick next year in Havana, as well as instant New York Times bestsellers When We Left Cuba and Last Train to Key West. Her most recent historical fiction entry is The Cuban Heiress, described as a novel inspired by true events that follows two women whose lives become intertwined during a fateful journey upon the SS Morro Castle, a luxury cruise liner that caught fire and sank on its way from Havana to New York in September 1934. Booklist wrote of the book, Nothing is what it seems in Clayton's latest gripping historical novel. Handsome con men, clever thieves, desperate rebels, and our valiant heroines all convene in this elegant but doomed ocean liner. Clayton includes vivid details about the mysterious final voyage of the Morro Castle and provides further reading about this historic disaster. In this file, Chanel and I discussed how she turned a law degree into a writing career, why every writer needs to write that terrible first book, the research process of a book-a-year writer, exploring lesser-known events shaping Cuban-American culture, how her characters speak to her in her daily life. My writers need to dig deep to overcome rejection and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. 
And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right, we are back on The Writer Files. I am thrilled today to be joined by an esteemed guest. I have New York Times bestselling author, Chanel Clayton is joining us. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know that you're, that you're a, a busy lady, but um, what's happening over there these days? Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here. This is release week for the Cuban heiress. So I'm, I've been talking about the book and, and chatting with readers. And, and it's one of my favorite parts of the job. So I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here and talk about books and writing with you. I can't wait to talk about the Cuban heiress, of course, and all things writing in Cuba and uh, this fascinating career of yours. But let's talk about, um, kind of wind the clock back a little bit as we do with so many authors and talk about this uh, winding path to bestseller because I understand you have quite a background in education. Uh, You have a bachelor's in international relations and a master's in global politics. But not only that, Um, you also got a Juris Doctor. Is that right? So were you uh, planning to become a lawyer at one point? I was, yes. I was in law school um, when I really kind of started pursuing my passion for for writing. I I realized law school wasn't perhaps the best fit for me. And, um, you know, even though I graduated with my law degree, I I really found my my love for writing at that time. Interesting. Interesting. So talk a little bit about that um, shift for you. What, What kind of, what inspired you to go down this path. And then, of course, I want to talk about kind of the subject matter of uh, a lot of your novels. But yeah, what was kind of the light switch for you? So I've always been a really big reader. I mean, that's kind of the one of my earliest memories is, is reading. And it's something that has followed me throughout my life. And when I was in law school and sort of realized it, it perhaps wasn't what I wanted to do with my life, I started thinking about things that I was passionate about and, and what I enjoyed. And I kept coming back to that love for books. And so I thought, why don't I try to write a book and, and see how it goes? And I wrote my first book, which was honestly pretty terrible. And I got lots of rejections, um, deservedly so, from from agents. But from that, I really realized I wanted to keep keep at it. And so I was really fortunate. I did an internship at the literary agency, which was incredibly helpful for me to, to learn the business. And then I just kept writing until I found an agent. And then eventually we sold my first book and it sort of took off from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, I think this is your sixth novel. Is that correct? Um, so I actually wrote romance before I wrote historical fiction. Okay. So this is, I think, my sixth historical fiction, but I'm maybe at like 16 published books, 17, something like wow. that. I okay. haven't counted, but yes. Okay, so 16 published books, and this is your sixth historical fiction novel. Best guess, yes, with, okay. without me Best counting, guess. yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, that's fascinating. Um, yeah, so maybe talk a little bit about kind of that evolution and what kind of uh, the deciding factor to go into historical fiction, because I feel like, and I always talk about this with authors of historical fiction, that this is some of the most tedious to write because it is uh obviously you are taking some um very specific time periods and some some actual real life events to uh formulate these stories around but yeah talk a little bit about how you became inspired obviously it seems like your background and all the things has uh lent itself to this path but yeah talk a little bit about how how that change occurred 
So I've, I've written in quite a few genres. Um, I've only published in, you know, a few, but before that, when I was trying to get a, a publishing deal, I wrote Young Adult. I've written Young Adult Suspense. Um, so really, if I like to read it, I, I like to write it. That's kind of my my approach to these things. And when I started writing historical fiction, it really came from a personal connection I had. I'm Cuban-American, and I was really inspired by sort of delving a little bit deeper into my Cuban-American identity and writing about you know my relationship with my grandmother and the Cuban Revolution, which was a really formative experience for my family. They came to this country in 1967 following the revolution. And you know it was just something I had kind of grown up hearing about so much living in a Cuban household. And so I wanted to, to explore that in my writing. And from there, my, my debut historical fiction, Next Year in Havana, was born. And I created a fictional family, uh, the Perez family, in that book. And really, the characters just started speaking to me. And I found that uh, there were other characters in the book who were kind of begging for their stories to be told. And that has really led me on this incredible journey writing historical fiction, where I've been able to go back into the past and learn more about moments in Cuban history that I was less familiar with um, mm-hmm. and kind of have a, a broader understanding of my heritage and and how all of these events have sort of tied in together. It's an inspiring story. Um, and kind of this passion for exploring the Cuban American uh, culture and identity obviously um, plays a big part. Talk a little bit about the Cuban heiress and then yeah, kind of that evolution and how you came to this really compelling story that, um, yeah, is a, probably a little bit different than the last one, but incorporates, you know, kind of a few d- different genre elements, including mystery, romance, even even this crime story that kind of uh, wends it all together. But yeah, talk a little bit about that, that evolution, how you came to the genesis of the latest. So the Cuban heiress is set in 1934, and it is inspired by the true story of the SS Moro Castle. And the Moro Castle was a luxury cruise liner that would take a round-trip voyage from New York to Havana. And when Prohibition was going on, it was kind of an opportunity for people to go on this ultimate party cruise. You know, you could drink, and <laughs> they had a lot of fun while they were there. The Great Depression was obviously going on, and so it was really an escape for people from a lot of the economic and social pressures that were going on at that time. And then you also have the Cuban Revolution of 1933. So there's a lot of political turmoil happening in Cuba. And all of these factors sort of converge on on this cruise ship. And I first learned about the Moro Castle when I was researching the previous book I'd written, Our Last Days in Barcelona. Our Last Days in Barcelona was set in the 1930s. And often when I've written a few books in that time period, and when I'm doing my research, I just kind of like to look at any events that are going on that perhaps won't make it into that novel, but are important for understanding the context of of broader Cuban and American relations at the time. And I came across this mention of the ship and it caught fire on its last voyage and was a, a great tragedy. And at the time really kind of captivated the national attention in both the United States and in Cuba. And so when I heard about it, you know, in the research for our last days in Barcelona, I knew it wasn't necessarily, you know, something that was going to fit into that novel, which was really centered on kind of Cuban and Spanish relations and the um, Spanish Civil War. But I knew that it was a subject I really wanted to pursue further. You know, I spend so much time kind of reading and researching and writing and then speaking about these books, that it's that initial curiosity and passion that really drives me when I pick a subject. And so this was one that that stuck with me. And the idea of sort of having this confined space where all of this drama would p- play out over a week, you know, as a writer offered new opportunities and challenges 
that I was really intrigued by. So it, it was a subject that I knew, you know, would would be something I would really enjoy working with. And it, it was an incredible novel to work on. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Well, congrats on the reception of the latest. Um, you have to be thrilled with all of the coverage and blurbs. Um, the Cuban heiress follows two women whose lives become intertwined during a fateful journey upon the SS Morrow Castle, a luxury cruise liner that caught fire and sank on its way from Havana to New York and September 1934. Yeah, um, I thought some obviously some nice blurbs here. Natasha Lester, um, your colleague, said of the book, take one heiress with more than a few secrets, throw in a roguish jewel thief and put them aboard a glittering cruise ship sailing from New York to Havana, and you have the perfect historical novel. That was a nice, nice little blurb there. Yes, I'm. I'm so grateful. It's. I've. There's such a wonderful community of authors kind of supporting each other, and it's. It's so lovely to be be able to share these books with them and, and read their work and just be part of the the book community and the writing community. I think everyone has such a strong passion for for what we do, and it really comes out, and it's it's an amazing. Yeah, yeah. Lots of great blurbs here. Um, I will mention the book list coverage had just said nothing is what it seems in Clayton's latest gripping historical novel. Handsome con men, clever thieves, desperate rebels, and our valiant heroines uh, all convene on this elegant but doomed ocean liner. I, su- I suddenly questioned my pronunciation of heroin, um, but uh, is that how you say heroin? I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
curious. Um, anyway, congrats on that coverage. That's really cool to see. And uh, yeah, so what's the vibe over there? How are you feeling this week uh, with everything? It's been wonderful. I, I was really fortunate. I did an in-person event at Books and Books, which is always so amazing. Um, in Miami, I had an, a great audience and it's always so wonderful to speak with everyone and hear about their reaction to the books. And I was able to do uh, an event with the Cuban Heritage Collection at the University of Miami that was also really special to me. So it's it's always nice to be able to kind of step away from the computer. And, you know, I think as writers, we live so much in our own heads that it's it's lovely to be able to have these conversations and to hear what people are reading and loving and how they're reacting to your books and, and that sort of thing. Um, my readers have been so incredibly supportive and I'm always just so grateful for their enthusiasm and, and their passion for these books. For sure. For sure. Um, well, congrats on the latest. You, you've earned it. Yeah, so uh, I do understand that next year in Havana was, it was obviously named a Reese's Book Club pick and I believe it was option for film, right? Yes, yes. So this this too has a very cinematic quality, at least in my estimation, um, picking it up and just you just kind of get sucked into it as a page turner. But um, have you been approached as of yet? Um, so we have not optioned the Cuban heiress yet, um, but definitely, you know, there are always discussions and everything. Um, it's Hollywood's such a different, you know, industry from from what I know from publishing that it's one of those things that would always be cool. And, you know, you sort of cross your fingers. But uh, there's so many different steps that that go into that, that I sort of yeah. just kind of focus on the books and, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> 100%. talk a little bit about this uh, really interesting, you know, research piece for you because these are um pretty seemingly highly researched events in history you know you have to kind of uh abide by some rules in historical fiction but yeah talk a little bit about your research process and then how you kind of shut that down so that you're able to you know get some pages get into flow state and what that what that uh transition is like for you so I find that the research process is really, really useful in terms of kind of bearing out what the plot is going to look like. You know, obviously, as you mentioned, the historical events and the timeline and, and the circumstances surrounding these things are so important in controlling the characters' movements and sort of the possibility for what, what they can do. So I really look at the historical record when I'm plotting out my books. And you know, with this particular tragedy, there was quite a bit of investigation done um, in the fire's aftermath. And so having those first-person accounts and, and looking at that information was really useful in kind of building out the timeline for the book. Yeah, it must have it must have lent a pretty actual, pretty solid outline for you. Yes, I mean, definitely also following sort of the itinerary that the crews took was very useful. I knew from the beginning when I was setting up the book that I wanted it to cover the the voyage of the ship. And so the timeline for the novel is, you know, you step in the opening chapter, you step on board with, with my heroines, and then you follow them throughout the journey of, of the cruise as though you're a passenger on the ship alongside them. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about your writing process when you're getting into flow state, kind of your best writing period and you feel like you're making some headway, you're making some progress. Um, are you a morning? Are you an evening writer? Are you somebody who gets up crack of the dawn and, and makes the coffee and hits hits the uh, the typer? Or what, what kind of writer are you? So I'll be honest and just say it kind of depends on the novel and sort of where I am in my process. Um, I publish a book a year. So typically, I'm writing one book 
in some stage of editing another and then promoting a third, you know, at various times. So it does kind of become a, a bit of a, a deadline driven game where if I know I have edits due on one novel, that's going to be my primary focus. And I'm going to kind of set everything aside and just really dive deep into whatever the one week, two week deadline I have to get those edits back to my publisher, you know, for the publication timeline. Or for example, like this week when I'm uh, doing promotion, I'm not really writing too much, but then, you know, I'll shift focus and be able to delve back into the the book that I'm working on. So it's, it's definitely something that you learn to be responsive to things and kind of prioritize and multitask, you know, in, in terms of, of getting the books finished and, and focusing on them when you need to, you know, sometimes I'll do a lot of front-loaded research. So with a book I wrote, The Most Beautiful Girl in Cuba, that was set um, during the Cuban fight for independence from Spain, I did quite a bit of front-loaded research on that one just because it was such an enormous um, amount of information. And there were so many different threads that kind of are connected in that novel. With some of my other books, you know, I'll, I'll do some front-loaded research. And then as I'm writing, I will continue to kind of augment, you know, as I go. And I did that with the Cuban era. So it, it really depends. Each book is kind of a new adventure and has new, uh, new opportunities and challenges. So I, I sort of tackle each one a little bit differently as I go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I am really, really interested in, in the latest, um, and some of the thought process that went into it as well, but I couldn't help but think of kind of a more recent character in history who was like a con artist. Um, I think, you know, known as, Anna Delvey or Anna Sorokin and that story of kind of her invented, you know, she, she had uh, conned a lot of people into thinking that she was the heir to this, right. This large amount of uh, money, but um, yeah, talk a little bit about kind of the, the invention of these characters and some of the thought process that goes into not only that, but kind of your penchant for, um, you know, uh, centering the story around, women's narratives and and the two different points of view. So I really have a, a passion for kind of looking at women's experiences throughout history. I think often, you know, when we're going through the historical record, we tend to not see um, as much of women's perspectives being represented. And so when you can find um, those, those instances, I think it's really powerful and something that I personally enjoy working on a great deal. And in terms of my characters, they really sort of just kind of come to me speaking to me and I try to listen to their voice and to the direction in which they're they're guiding me they when I'm working on a book they live inside my head sort of not just when I'm at my computer but when I'm going about my daily life and sometimes you know I'll be driving and I'll hear something that I have been kind of stuck with with the plot and it's the character hmm. sort of showing me the way so you know each book my characters are are a little bit different. And I like that for my readers. I think it's important to kind of change things up. You know, when you've written so many books on kind of a similar subject, I want to make sure that my readers feel like they're always getting kind of a new experience and that there's something surprising in the book um, that they haven't read about from me before. So it's, I, I keep going back to, I like the kind of challenge and adventure of, of writing. And that comes with creating different characters that have their own unique motivations and stories. And I really let that sort of guide me through the process. Well, congrats on the latest. Can you talk about what uh, is next for you, what you're kind of working on for the future? I know, obviously, right now you're not writing, but um, yeah, what, what do you got in the hopper? 
So I am currently editing what will be my 2024 release, and it is historical fiction. It's two timelines, and it's set at a fictional mansion in Miami. It's sort of a gothic novel um, with a lot of suspense, similar to the Cuban heiress. And it's set um, 1917, which is kind of a time when there's a lot of development coming to South Florida, and these sort of grand mansions are being built. And then also uh, 1941. So you see the two timelines and a kind of mystery that threads through both play out um, on the page. So it's it's been a lot of fun to work on, and I'm I'm really excited to share that one with my readers next year. Do you have a tentative title, or can you share that? Uh, we are still still going back and forth on titles, and that unfortunately <laughs> okay. I, I cannot share. Um, we'll we'll see. I have my favorites, but we'll see what you know the team ends up deciding on. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, I know that that area has had uh, some interesting development issues, especially with like. Um, you know, climate change and the sea levels mm-hmm. rising. Um, and then I think I woke up this morning to see that like Fort Lauderdale had like two feet of rain in yes, like eight hours been, or something crazy. There's been horrible flooding. Um, the airport in Fort Lauderdale has been closed because of the flooding. I think they're set to reopen hopefully later today. But yes, no, it has been um, the past few days have been a lot of rain and a lot of flooding. Yeah, but you're kind of going back to the like, like the halcyon days of of uh you know the miami area i'm sure that um you know and obviously there's just so much money and and development still to this day which just baffles baffles the mind Mm -hmm. but uh yeah that's fascinating very interesting well i know we got to wrap up here um before we unleash your your advice to fellow scribes on how to persevere um i would love to ask you a fun one if you could have dinner uh, with any author from any era to your favorite place in the world, all expenses paid, of course, um, who would you take and where would you take them? It could be dinner, drinks, all of the above. And uh, yes, you can bring more than one author. Oh, that's an, that's an amazing question. You know, I would have to say probably, you know, because it's so personal and something that I write about so much, um, I would love to have dinner with Carlos Ayer who is a Cuban um, memoirist who wrote a really beautiful book, Waiting for Snow in Havana, um, that was about his his life and his experience as a Peter Pan child. Um, and, and you know, if I could go anywhere in any moment in time, I think I'd, I'd want to hear about his experiences in Cuba and and kind of um, have that because his his book really touched me very deeply. All right. Where where would you take him? Um, I think, you know, if, if we could time travel to, to Cuba and kind of live through his memories, that would be incredible. All right. Time travel to Cuba. I like it. Um, well, you, ha- you time travel to Cuba uh, or have time traveled to Cuba often. Um, can you think of a, a, a real place in, in time in history that you would hang out? Um, I mean, there's, there's so much, you know, I, I love to travel. That's one of those things that I'm, I'm always, you know, so grateful for. And I think that kind of comes out in my books as well. So I, I'm always up for kind of a, a new adventure and, and going somewhere I haven't been before. Okay. So what would you eat? What would I eat? Um, or drink or both. Do you start with cocktails? <laughs> Cocktails are always good. You know, that would that would definitely be good. Um, no, if we were doing if we were doing a, a Cuban experience that I would love, you know, lechon asado, which is roast pork and, and black beans and rice, and having kind of a, a traditional like favorite Cuban meal. Okay, and some um, Cuban cigars. <laughs> I will admit, I, I'm not a cigar smoker, but yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well. Um, I know you got to get going. Of course, I will point 
at your home base there, ChanelClayton.com. You're on the socials, including Instagram and Facebook. Are you on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. I'm on okay. Instagram and Facebook, yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, so uh, what do you want to leave listeners with, uh, you know, scribes who may be thinking about quitting or, or you know, maybe haven't found the, the traction in their careers yet? Um, but yeah, just on how to, how to keep going. I think really just tapping into kind of your passion and, and perseverance being key and understanding that, unfortunately, I think the rejection is, is something we all always deal with. You know, often when people read my bio, when I do things like this, you know, it sounds like the highlight reel, but the truth is, you know, my, my writing career has been ongoing rejection and I, I know will continue to be, I mean, that's part of the ups and downs of being in a creative industry. And so it's really just kind of tapping into that passion and believing in yourself and feeling like the stories that you're telling are important ones that need to be told and, and just persevering. I think keep writing is kind of the simplest advice, but it also is um, in a lot of ways, I think the most important thing to, to get you through the natural ebbs and flows that, that come with being a, a creative you know, person in an industry like this. 100%. Um, well, we really appreciate your, your time, your words, your wisdom. Again, I'll mention the Cuban errors. Um, is out now. And uh, yeah, congrats on, on the reception and everything. You've got to feel pretty good about it. Where are you off to next on your whirlwind tour? So I am doing radio, radio tours today. So I have a, I'm about to go live on Instagram and then I have uh, quite a few more podcasts today. So I'm, I'm excited for that and excited to talk more about books. All right. Well, we're going to let you take a break, get a coffee or tea. And uh, again, we appreciate you come back in the future and we'll, we'll talk again. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful day. And scene. We got it. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. I had a little bit of a frog in my throat. I apologize. So do I. (laughs) 